some talk. <clears throat> Let's all stand and sing, You Touched My Eyes. touch some of our eyes that we might see. Paul, in writing his letter to the Ephesians, made that statement. It's in the first chapter of the book of Ephesians. And verse 17, he's writing to the church at Ephesus. And I don't want to give you a history of the church at Ephesus, but Paul was not the one that started this church. This assembly was started by a young man whose name was Apollos. Long story. But Paul went on in and he replanted the church that was built on a shaky foundation. And uh, Apollos was a disciple of John the Baptist. When John the Baptist was being used of God, he was the most important man in his time. Jesus made that statement, he says, among them that is born of women, there is not risen one greater than John the Baptist. Now, which school did John the Baptist go to, to be this great man? He didn't go to school. He was the, he was the son of a, a priest son of a priest that never conformed to the elements of the priesthood. Am I correct? He was the son of Zacharias and Elizabeth. And Zacharias was a dedicated priest of the course of Abiah. And uh, his wife Elizabeth conceived in her old age and John came 
uh, was conceived. God touched a woman, she brought forth a son. And John, uh, he was a miracle baby, and when he was ready to, to learn, or to be ready to be used of God, John went into the wilderness, and he remained in the wilderness until his showing. Strange way for God to grow a man up, to send him out. And so John did not approach the society he lived in with a lot of theology. Now, God says, here's what you tell the people. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Don't compromise. And because of his strong position, he was executed by the authorities in those days. And so, Apollos was a disciple of John. But you see, the thing is, with God, he moves on. John's dispensation of telling you that the kingdom of God would be established and they'll be coming a Messiah ended when Jesus came. And if God was working with John, then those that were elect of John will move on with the present move of God. And one day Jesus passed by and he saw John the Baptist and his disciple and John turned and says, Behold the Lamb of God which take away the sin of the world. And two, just two of John's disciple left him and followed Jesus. Now God had moved on and John had to be put out of existence for Jesus to carry on the work of God. Jesus made that mention. He says, John was a bright and shining light. And you were willing for a season to dwell in that light. But Jesus said, I have greater light than that of John. And when we look at that example, we know that God moves on. And that is why when Jesus was ready to end his ministry, Peter, he says, I give to you the keys of the kingdom. That is the apostles he had. He says, whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. He says, I do great wonders, but you shall do greater wonders than what I am doing. In other words, the move of God had to go on. See, there was a time when Jesus made that statement. He said, he says, sent his disciples out. He says, don't go to the Gentiles, but go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And uh, whatsoever house you enter in, salute that house. And if that house is willing to accept you, let your peace remain. And if they reject you, leave the house, get out of the city, brush the dust off your feet. For in the day of judgment, it'll be worse for that city that rejects a man of God than for the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Isn't that something? Rejection of a God-sent man that God sent is, is a terrible thing to, to, to be involved in. Uh, last night, I think I quoted a scripture that says, uh, because they will receive not a love for the truth, God will send them strong delusions that they'll believe a lie and be damned. So as you sit here today, and we just sang that song, you touch my eyes, I'm looking at this epistle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. Now this apostle Paul is writing to church that Apollos started. When he got there, he rebaptized the people because he asked them. He says, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And you know what the disciples of, John, of Apollos told Paul? They said, holy what? You mean you all don't know about the Holy Ghost? No, we have never even heard about the Holy Ghost. So what in God's name was Apollos teaching? That's my question. And so when God moves on, a lot of people can still be in the move that God was once in. But God may be long gone from that location. We need to ask God to touch your eyes that we might be able to perceive when God is moving on and get with the current move of God. Because truth is progressive and the work of God is progressive. And here Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. He was exiled from Ephesus. 
The city did not want this apostle. He was banned from going into Ephesus. You know why? Because he preached a gospel that nobody liked. And uh, here he writes, and he said in verse 18, he says, verse 17, that chapter 1 of Ephesians, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom. God said, Jesus said, uh, Paul is saying that the Lord, the God Almighty, will give you a few things. Riches in the bank, a big bank account, great education. No, no, no. Wisdom. Last night we had a nice discussion. Brother Veda and I and Sister Jasmine was there. And uh, we were talking about the difference with intellectualism. Uh, when a person is intelligent, got all the degrees and everything else. But you know, they lack the simple thing like common sense. And I'm giving you the simple version of our conversation last night. Because having all this up there and don't know what to do with it is sad. Well, when you have all this in information up there, and in, I'm talking about scripture now, all this scripture up here, and you're not able to bring it down to a lifestyle, you lack wisdom. Yeah. Wisdom is taking that knowledge and bring it into operation in your life. What's the point in memorizing Genesis to Revelation and don't know how to live to suit, please God, in the present day you're living in? It is important. Not only has uh, the devil advanced, but evil has advanced. And so today, this scripture, this letter was written to the Ephesians in 861. We are living today in 2023. And the wisdom that we need today is much more than the wisdom that the Ephesians needed 2,000 years ago. Evil today is subtle. Last night we had a beautiful lesson. I'm getting into that in a minute. But it says here that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, Jesus has a God. I don't believe that. Well, that's why we have the word unbeliever. Jesus have a God. And he calls the God that created him Father. And the Father created his Son, but he made him subject to death. And when Jesus came, he died. And when the Father raised, resurrected him from the grave, he can't die anymore. Because the Father gave to him immortality, which cannot be put out of existence anymore. And that is where the father looked at the son and he says, Son, this day have I begotten you. Jesus is a God 100% in the God family. And there's coming a time when we are overcomers and we learn to live for God and serve God. Those are so wonderful choruses today by the kingdom of God. That when we see him at his return, this mortal shall put on immortality. There's a lot of things the world teaches us that we don't need to believe in. And one is that your soul is immortal. Your soul is not mortal. You're mortal as anything else. One day, the mortal will put on immortality. Not now. And at that day, we'll turn to the grave and says, we'll say to death, O death, where is thy sting? And O grave, where is thy victory? Today, the grave has victory. Uh, we've been talking about these things recently. As I get older, I'll talk more about life a little bit and death a lot. Because you have to be prepared, be prepared for the inevitable. Every child of God that you turn 40, 50, you need to have a document called a will. Whether you have money or you don't have money, it's good to have a will. It would be sad if you're sitting in this church, faithful to this church, without a document, and when you die, your ungodly relatives take your body, and we can't even mourn over your body. We have the prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, 
the simple-minded pass on and are punished. That's why we have the Bible, to help us to make right decisions. And so when I'm thinking of this uh, the scripture, the father said to the son, he says, My son, this day have I begotten thee. And so Jesus is the begotten of the father. And when he returns and he resurrects the dead, at the last trump, there are seven trumpets. When the last trump sound at that period of time, Jesus will resurrect the dead. And there's mortal. This corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality. See, we're heading into the kingdom. And so these are things that are so beautiful. And so uh, Paul went on here, he says, spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. See, revelation is a deep illumination of the mind. To have a revelation is a deep illumination of the mind. And a lot of time, a man that's in the ministry would say, I have a revelation, and it's really a devilation. Because if it's contrary to what the Bible teaches, and it's sinister in its operation, it's not a revelation. It's a devilation. The devil inspired your mind, because the devil will do that. Uh, we have an enemy today that's a little different than the enemy Peter had on the day of Pentecost. See, on the day of Pentecost, the devil was a blatant, rebellious individual against the work of God. By the time Paul preached and warned the church in Corinth, the devil discovered that if he transformed himself as an angel of light, not darkness, light, and he has his servants raise up a few men preaching his message, righteousness, they're not preaching evil, righteousness he can deceive more individuals in the world so today the devil has is an angel of light jesus is the light but the devil has a mimic uh, he mimicked the the light that jesus is everything god has done the devil has seemingly duplicated or counterfeited uh, to see if he can win individuals so today i'm talking to you and I could be a child of God, a minister to God as called, or I could be a tool of the devil. If I'm a child of God, and I stand here, like Brother Terry says, if I'm a child of God and God called me to the ministry, don't fight me in your mind, nor literally. Amen. You will go down. Amen. Don't reject what I preach, because if you're given to truth, and you reject truth that I pro proclaim, uh, God will give you strong delusions, you believe a lie, and be damned. But on the other side, you see, there could be another side. If I'm a false prophet, Chandra, you're doomed. You married, something, she, she, if I'm a false prophet, you're married to a false prophet. You're the wife of a false prophet. You're doomed. I made a statement some time ago. That worse than a terrorist with bombs strapped all over him. You ever saw those men want to go blow up a marketplace or something? They strap bombs all over and they're walking in with a remote control that they'll blow themselves up. They want to take a few other people with them. They want to take a building down. And so they have bombs all over. Worse than a terrorist with bombs strapped all over him is an uncalled preacher that God never called with the Bible in his hand. Because while the terrorist destroys the body, the false preacher destroys the soul. It is important that you become sensitive to know <clears throat> what you're listening to and who you're following. God moves on. Those two tribes, Brother Dan, that did not want to move on could not survive because they have to be with the, the move of God. God didn't want them to stay outside and in a comfortable environment and settle down outside of the land of Canaan. They needed to cross over and get on into the promised land where their trials would grow and what is necessary to develop their spirituality was in the promised land. All right? <clears throat> We're still on a scripture that I did not even plan to get on. 
And so Paul writes here, he says, you have a revelation in the knowledge of him. Verse 18, together now, everybody, that the <coughs> eyes of your understanding. Everybody read that for me. Which one is talking about the one that need the glasses? No. no, the eyes of your understanding. You see, you have eyes of understanding that could be blind. Jesus told his disciples, he said, blessed are your eyes for they see. Not the literal thing that's stuck in your head. He says, but the Pharisees, they knew a lot, but they were blind. And when they're blind leaders, they lead blind congregations and they'll both fall into a ditch. Different subject. One of these days, I'll tell you what that ditch is. But today, we are understanding what, how important it is to have the eyes of our understanding being enlightened. If you don't have your eyes, the eyes of your understanding enlightened, you might be led astray. And don't even know it. That's why Paul says having our senses exercised to discern good or evil. And I've had a long trail behind me. Going into the ministry at 18 years old. Preaching the gospel and kicked out run for your life when Hindus in a village wants to kill you. Stones thrown at you. Run. You gotta run. There's a time to preach the gospel and there's a time to run when machetes are coming out. There's a time we cast demons out. And I've got people here sitting, Brother Terry there, Brother Sinbad at the back. I've got people that know where I'm coming from. And you cast a demon out sometimes and sometimes the demon casts you out. Brother Singh, did you ever run from a possessed person? Yes, I did. One time. I, I didn't know the guy was possessed. He's my tailor. I went into my tailor shop late on a Sunday night. And there was a man. His name was Fitz. And he was sitting there. And we had full church all Sunday. So he come in Sunday night. This guy sat there. And his demon did not like my presence. And so he got up. And he started to say, what is this? And I run out of the store. Because I didn't want to cast demons out in the shop. But I ran. And Brother Sherlock was with me and we ran together. Because we had one motorcycle we were traveling on. Sometimes you cast the devil out. And sometimes the devil runs from you. And sometimes he casts you out. There's, there's a difference. We're not talking about spitting on a tissue. We're talking about the real McCoy. And I've come a far way to see that happen. But Sinbad would tell you there were times someone got filled with the Holy Ghost when I was not in town. And they were speaking in tongues when I got back. And I told Brother Arnold, I said, what's happening? He says, oh, that sister got the Holy Ghost when you were not in town. When you entered Georgetown. I said, that's not the Holy Ghost. Because your spirit becomes sensitive. See, your spirit becomes sensitive. I walked into youth camp one time uh, that was conducted in a in a school building and I'm walking through and I'm leading the young people in prayer and I'm walking through and every time I pass this lady I feel this weight and you're young unmarried and zealous I walk down go back that way come back this way I feel there's a weight right there every time and I decided to put my hands on her and then we created a commotion for the rest of the youth camp because she was possessed and she jumped up when I laid my hands on her and she jumped up and when we a few brother brothers came and joined me we cast the demon out of her it went into her friend so we run over there to cast the demon I came back into this one then the demon left and went into a young girl her name was Leela short girl and I'm walking over I see Leela is starting to do something. And I walked over to Leela and she looked at me like this, staring in my face. I'm a young man. She says, where do you think you're going, Leela, with a man's voice? 
I said, I feel a chill down my spine, but I didn't tell her. I said, I'm coming to cast you out. And you know what Leila told me? She said, you cast me out and I'll possess you. I said, not today. You're not going to possess me today. Cast the demon out of Leila and it went back into the first girl. You know, the devil is powerful. Don't think he's a little sly old fox you put him in a box. Today, there's more wisdom in the devil performing religion. He is deceiving more people with religion than he is in the casino and the, the public ungodly places. And when we think of this, we must understand that we need our senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And so Paul says that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of your calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance. Now I want to leave that here and I'm not going to get into a very great subject today but I'm going to talk to you for let me see 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes. How about that? 20 minutes. Last night we had a very interesting lesson and I was showing somebody last night I said here is my notes and my notes was was um, the notes was Saturday night February the 25th 2023 that's my notes for last night I put it in the garbage I showed to Raleigh today I said that was my note last night and I got up and God was here because I would not be able to touch on the subject we did not even have a music last night and we went into a full lesson and I thought it was a good thing. And so we touched a little bit on, on Revelation. Now the reason why I'm talking to you for another 20 minutes is simply because in today's world it is my God-given responsibility to teach this church and, every, and everyone else that looks to us for teaching that I may teach you how to be able to recognize evil in our day. When the ministry was given, it was given for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. How long? Until we come unto the unity of the faith, unto a perfect man. Unto, me, unto the measure of the fullness of the stature of Jesus. And then the next verse is a great verse. It says that we be no more children tossed to and fro. It means when the ministry is done with our lives, if we yield ourselves to the ministry and the teaching, it adds stability. Everybody says stability. It anchors your faith in God. That whatever happens on the right and whatever happens on the left does not shake your faith. You're solid. And that is my responsibility to this assembly in particular. That I might give you words that will add stability in your life. That the fashion world will not sway you. That the entertaining world will not sway you. That Hollywood, Hollywood would not be dictating your life. The governments of society would not be telling you what to do. Your roots must be in Christ. Solid as ever. Because when the world wanders after the beast. Without realizing it. They worship the dragon. Or the devil that give power to the beast. It'll be sad if we think we're in church. And really we're worshipping the devil and don't even know it. Because many shall stand before me in that day. Jesus said and said Lord, Lord. But we were prophesying in your name. And he says I don't even know you. Because straight is the gate. Narrow is the way that leadeth to life. And few there be that find it. As we look at some of these areas of the book of Revelation, 
There are some things that we have to bear in mind. One is that Revelation has symbols. It's a book of symbols. And unless God touches the eyes of your understanding, you will end up and literalize some of those symbols and you should not. When you see a lamb in Revelation, it's not a real sheep. When a sword comes out of the Lord's mouth, it's not a real sword. When you see a dragon, it's not a real dragon having seven heads. These are symbols in the book of Revelation. And that is why when Jesus was teaching in his days, he did not give a correspondence course to the community in Israel. Jesus, when he stood up and he looked at a crowd before him, he taught in parables. He taught in parables. And when the disciple says, why are you teaching in parables? Shouldn't you be a little more plain? He says, no, because it is not given to everyone to understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to you, it is given. Fear not, little flock, for it's the Father's good pleasure to work with you. It is important that we understand these things. So as we look at Revelation down the road, and we'll probably have a strong lesson on Wednesday night. But as we look at some of these areas, remember Revelation has is a book of symbols. Then the other thing that we need to consider is this in my hand is a translation that was translated by translators over the years. This is just one translation out of many translations. The man that translated my King James Bible, they were under a king that was from the Church of Scotland. The Church of Scotland believed in the Trinity. The Church of Scotland believed that the soul was immortal. The Church of Scotland believed that there was a literal burning hole in the ground called hell. The Church of Scotland believed when you die, your soul moved out alive. And the Church of Scotland believed a lot of other things similar to that. So when King James was organizing or oversighting the translation... I would say 80% of King James doctrines were already wrong. Then the church had two factions inside. And I've said this before. Some were Puritans, which were like Presbyterians, which believe almost identical, a little different in their operation, but they believed almost identical all the doctrines that the Church of Scotland believed. And worse than the Puritans were the bishops. They were downright Catholics in their belief. As I'm talking to you today, the world is overpowered by all kinds of pagan festivities. Even the doctrine of the Trinity has originated from apostate Christianity. Rome is responsible for, for infiltrating, the, uh, infiltrating the world with all its customs and Christmas and, and Halloween and all these celebrations came from Rome. And Rome is called in the Bible, I believe, and this is a very strong, a little bit more than a strong speculation, she's called the mother of harlots. Is she a real harlot? No, no, no. Remember, Revelation is a book of symbols. But mama gave birth to a lot of children. And one day, Martin Luther decided he's not going to be a Catholic no more because he's not going to follow uh, the benevolences of the Catholic Church where you can buy yourself in, out of purgatory. He don't believe in that. He believed the just shall live by faith. 
And so the Catholic Church, in its great apostasy after it destroyed and martyred 60-something million Protestants and butchered them and stuck people's head on spares while they dominated the world. She is called the mother of harlot. Harlots. So mama has daughters. And whether you're Scottish from the Church of Scotland or you're one of the Puritans or you're Presbyterian you know, I'm not making myself very popular here today. Or you're Anglican, or wherever you are, you're a part of mama. So even though you came out, the Lutherans still held Mary as a Virgin Mary. They still believe the doctrine of hell wrong. They believe the Godhead wrong. So why am I talking about all of this? Well, they're the guys that translate your Bible. It's my best thing that I have. I love this book. But you see, I need more than what I see here. I need the Holy Ghost that inspired Isaiah to touch my mind as I'm reading Isaiah so I can bypass some of the mistranslations and get what the Holy Ghost wants me to have. If I fake the Holy Ghost baptism. I'm a genuine fake. I'm still blind. Even though I claim to see. So when we understand mama. And our harlot daughters. It is sad when the Lord says in Revelation 18.4. Come out of her my people. Somehow or the other. God's people gets back into the system. One practice at a time. One little Christmas tree to start. One little immortality of the soul doctrine. And before you know it, it's all there in our lives. Now, we might have all our doctrines right. But if our daily practice is contrary to the scripture and we celebrate what mama celebrates we're Pentecostal Catholics it's not good at all it's not good at all because why claim that we are out when we're really neck deep in See, the doctrine, the apostles' doctrine was not all this detailed theology that we have today. The apostles' doctrine was a lifestyle, how they lived. And as we enter into the society that we're living in, our society is overpowered by apostate customs and traditions. Thirty years ago, forty years ago, 50 years ago when I entered into the ministry. When I say gay, it meant happy. When I say rainbow, it meant God's sign in the sky that shows he will judge, he judged the world in that time. Terms that were seen as ungodly terms back there has become acceptable terms today. And what was unacceptable back there is acceptable today. And what is unacceptable today is what God honors. And so my friend, to serve God today demands dedication and commitment. And it, it, we need to eliminate fickleness from our mindset. If we're to make an end, get to, get to the end of this race. Now, I know I've got seven minutes to go. When I look at the Bible, and I'm going to get on this more on Wednesday night if the Lord helps us. You know, this morning I picked up my iPad and I opened it up. And they were saying, uh, Spirit of God was moving in. 
Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A restaurant. Chick-fil-A is like Kentucky Fried Chicken, but it's an American version. Chick-fil-A is a nice place. Owned by Christian. Chick-fil-A don't open on a Sunday, if I get that right. Because Sunday is the Lord's Day. They close Chick-fil-A. You work for Chick-fil-A, you can't go to work on a Sunday. One day I was at Tim Hortons at, you know, the halfway crossing Brother Vid, uh there. I stopped at Tim Hortons in the States. And I walked in, it was early morning. I don't know if you were with me, who was with me, but I walked on in and I wanted a coffee and I stopped. And there was one girl at the, at the, at the teller, at the counter, but there was like six or seven people in a circle. What were they doing? Asking God to bless this day as they enter in. Then I know that it's a Christian that owns that joint. You work for him, <clears throat> they pray that God will bless them to this day's activity. I love that. But you see, dancing, calling on the name of Jesus, saying something is happening in Chick-fil-A, or anywhere else, is this a scriptural practice? Is this how God will work? And that is why God has raised up ministers that we can look at the Bible and find out if this is what the Bible talks about. Jesus, what did he say? Last night we look at a scripture in Revelation 13. Which tells us about a great deception that will happen in these last days. Except the Lord shortens the days. These days we're living in. Even the very elect might be deceived. And that can happen. If you're sitting in a gospel assembly church. And we call ourselves the body of Christ. And you're fickle. And you sit there just for the fun of having there. Just for identification and association. And something is not touching your eyes of your understanding. And you're not understanding what's going on. You would leave the church and go join one of those little charismatic things that's operating out there. I was in a church in Lincoln, Nebraska one time. We were invited to spend some time. Pentecostal church, they were a part of us one time and they left. And there was this church, had the most beautiful white girl choir. They could sing. So I went there and it was not a regular service. It was a prayer meeting. And so I got in there and Chandra, you were with me. And we all knelt down to pray. And they're praying, oh God, let your spirit start. Let your spirit move. Let your spirit take a hold of every one of us. And then somebody says, Trrr. I said, what's that? Somebody says, Trrr. Trrr. And another one says, they didn't get, you know, the language properly. So they were like the whole church gone nuts. <laughs> I mean, Brother John, the whole church went nuts. Because I'm looking at this and they call that the spirit is speaking. Can you imagine the whole church? About 35 people. <laughs> Depends on how much bass you have. Your songs like a Harley Davidson. Or your songs like a Suzuki. I have seen all kinds of manifestation. And people call it the Holy Ghost. And it's dangerous when I call something that's not of God. But sometimes it's so blatantly straightforward. That you don't have to say I'm making, making a misjudgment. I'm in Florida one time, standing next to a nice senior gentleman, and he loves me. And his church was there, and the spirit was moving, and they finished dancing, and they, they're carrying on, and there is this lady, and she's standing there, and she's shivering, and she's going forward and backward and shivering. A lot of her face, you can see like she's possessed. And she's shivering making commotion and I said God if it was my church I go cast the demon out but it's not my church I've got to behave myself here 
And then I hear, ha, 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 ha. The Holy Ghost is laughing. Ha, 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 ha. Some grunt. Listen, God's not an idiot. And some of you that are not grounded and sitting in this church could be deceived if you have no foundation. If you're not rooted and grounded in Christ, any little wind can deceive you. And Jesus says miracles and signs. See, the seventh head healed becomes the eighth head that we looked at our scripture last night. And they deceived the world by the miracles which they perform. Someone said there's a miracle, so it has to be God. You know what? Miracles don't save anybody. Talk to Israel. They saw plagues poured upon the Egyptians. And the greatest miracle of all, they saw the Red Sea divided in half. And they walk over on dry ground. And yet rebellion stayed in their hearts. If ever there was a time for us to seek God and ask God. And that is why those scriptures we saw last night was important. If my people which are called by my name. Not the ungodly. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves. It takes humility to get on your knees. When you can't get on your knees, you're one proud, self-righteous, arrogant individual that don't feel God needs to be talked to. Somebody says, well, I don't like to pray because I'm a sinner. Then stop sinning. But Jesus didn't come to call the righteous, my friends. He came to call the sinners to repentance. He didn't die for the righteous. He died for you and I that has rebellion in our hearts. That he might save us. And in an age where there's deception all over. Matthew 24 tells us. There's a lot of miracles. False prophets shall increase. And deceive many. May God give us. A touch and a illumination and wisdom and a revelation. That we would not easily be deceived. Because every church that God started, the devil eventually destroyed. Every single church that the Lord started. You see, I'm reading this book here, and I'm saying, oh, there's a good scripture in Corinth, in Corinthians, and there's a good scripture in Romans, and there's a good scripture in Galatians. Listen, Roman, the Romans rejected Paul at his first answer. He sacrificed himself to be in Rome, and when he was tried, they all fled. What a church. I wish I could fake my arrest and see what this church is going to do. <laughs> then I'll be charged for mischief. Um, but if you can't stand with me while I'm alive and try to set a good example, how will you stand with me when the system wants to Persecute me for the message I preach. But you know what keeps me going? Jesus. Which part of him? He was despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, Israel hid, as it were, their faces from him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our sins and bruised for our false concept of worshiping God, our iniquities. When I looked at Paul, ready to die, ready to finish his life, and he saw all the churches of Galatia turn against him. He saw the church at Corinth forsaking him. When you see Paul wrote that letter to the church of Corinth and had to tell him how he's suffering and how, how, how he suffered a lot for the Lord. He didn't have to say that. He was saying to that only to backslidden people. When a preacher has to make himself something in order to get the people's attention, that congregation needs to be saved. So what some of us take and preaching from, 
Paul was just writing corrective letters to the churches that he had started. We do not have one single message that Paul preached to build any one of his churches. Not one. And I wonder if somebody hid those messages. That's why we never got them. I wonder why is it Paul alone, uh, Luke alone writes about the day of Pentecost and nobody else wrote about this tremendous day of Pentecost. Nobody else. Why? Wasn't Peter there? Wasn't John there? Wasn't Philip there? Weren't all these men there? How only Luke, who was not there, wrote about the day of Pentecost? A lot of questions I have. But you know, when I can't answer the questions, I'm glad that there's a God that can illuminate our minds and help us to understand. So, that prayer, you touch my eyes, please touch my eyes that I might see my mind, my spirit, it's great that you love me. Now I'm your servant. Am I really? Am I really his servant or the devil's servant? Am I drinking the cup of the Lord or the devil's cup more than I drink the cup of the Lord? Am I eating of the bread that Jesus have or am I eating the bread the devil provides? Where am I going to be? When I walk out of here, am I a Sunday Christian? Let's say, say that. Am I a Sunday Christian? Say that. Christian. You know what that question was for? Ask yourself. Am I serving God at my convenience? Or am I a true disciple that denies myself, take up my cross and follow him? Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for this another day in your house. Please touch your eyes. Please touch the eyes of our understanding. Help your people, Father, today. Oh, God, teach us to pray. Teach us to seek after thee, Father, as the heart panted after the body broke. So give us this deep desire to pant after thee, Father, we pray. Oh, God, help every one of us in this congregation today. Help us to understand that nothing happens to us, good or evil, without a purpose that you have in mind. Touch our minds, touch our hearts, touch our understanding, Father, we pray. Please, oh God, remember those that are not well, remember Brother Sam and yes. God, Sister Joanne and whoever else is not well. Pray it be with Sister Cindy as she travels, oh God, today. Be with your people, Father. Strengthen our lives, strengthen our hearts, we pray. Help your ministers around the world to dedicate their lives. Touch your eyes, touch your understanding. Oh God, we pray. Please, oh God, accept you build a house. We labor in vain to build it, and accept you keep the city. Even the smartest, wisest preacher would be laboring in vain. Keep, build this house and keep this city, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.